0: Sally and Natalie are here. Hi, ladies. Bye, ladies. <laughs> and did Lincoln make it back? He was back before the songs, right? He like, yeah, I'm gone. See you all later. So, all right. Yeah, I had a whole introduction plan. I had all this plan. I'm, I'm, I'm wowed by Kim. <laughs> I'm like... I don't know that I can top that. I I think she's just nailed it all, like, to the cross, and like, well, here we are. Uh, I guess I should talk about Jesus a little bit. (laughs) No, so, uh, yeah, Kim did say that pretty perfectly, as far as that goes, which is amazing, because we didn't really have that conversation. But all in all, yeah, like, as if salvation wasn't enough, (laughs) I mean, here's the reality of the truth. If God did nothing else for us other than save us, wouldn't that be enough? But my goodness, he continues and continues and continues to bless his children and continues and continues and continues to bless his children and continues. uh, You see where I'm going here. Okay, all right, good deal. And it's within that vein of thought and all the blessings that maybe we can grasp this new identity. Maybe we can grasp this new life according to the promises of what God has done. As you see from the notes, and you see it's, you know, there's very little to even discuss, if you will, but there's a lot to discuss within this, Uh, especially as the outpouring of his grace continues to change our lives and work within our lives and the lives of others around us. And it's also very much an encouraging letter to an elder and his congregation that are fearful and timid. And so if we can get ourselves out of that, praise the Lord a little bit. Uh, again, I <laughs> Kim said it best, there's a lot that we deal with on a daily basis and a lot of different identities that we all have, but don't lose sight of your God-given identity. And that's really what the whole first point's about. And then reap the blessings of the friends and the family that surround you. That's what the second point's about. And then the third one the promise and the seal and the guarantee of the Holy Spirit within our lives that tunes our hearts and our minds to the Lord's will, as well as it's not a spirit given in fear. It's a spirit of power and love and self-control. And one of the great things about 2 Timothy is that it has a lot of great one-liner scenes, a lot of memorable verses for our lives. And even in this very first one, and what I just mentioned, verse 7, should highlight that now and continue to highlight it in every Bible that you have. It's a very powerful verse, and especially when you look at it in the context of what Paul's telling Timothy. So without further ado, let's pray and let's talk about Jesus. So dear Heavenly Father, certainly, uh, despite this morning being dark and rainy, certainly in our hearts, in our minds, there is light that is shining. And it is because of you, Lord Jesus. It's because of first and foremost, the salvation that you called us to, the eternal light that we've been given, and then the blessings that are for the here and the now and the present as well as in the future. So, Lord Jesus, as we approach your word, certainly to my hearts and our minds, to your will, and may this certainly land confidently And impressively upon us as Lord Jesus, the more and the better that we think about you, the more we love you, the more natural it is for us to live a life that worships and glorifies you. So use this time well. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Second Timothy, chapter one, verse one through seven. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Amen. Let's give you all a little bit of background on this and what makes this a really impressive letter. This is Paul's final epistle. It was written somewhere between 64 and 67 AD. He's writing this letter from Rome, and he's writing this letter in jail. He's writing this letter that despite all the times that Jesus has saved him and called him out of the dying lion's den, if you will, that this time he does feel that this is it. And he's writing this letter to Timothy, his beloved child, which we'll go into more detail in in a minute, but a partnership in the gospel and a relationship because of the Lord Jesus. Not a relationship because of anything else. A relationship because of the Lord Jesus. And so, as he wrote this in imprisonment in Rome shortly before his death, this farewell letter to Timothy, who was at Ephesus, urged him to stand firm and urged him to come for one last visit. And if you... See, the fourth chapter, the things Paul wants Timothy to bring him are his scrolls and his parchments and a cloak. (laughs) That's all the guy needs in jail. Just give me more of the Lord. Regardless of what may befall me, give me more of Jesus. And I think it's within that vein of thought that we could all learn a little something. Because a lot of times we don't look for Jesus. We just look for the negative. We try to find the positives. But make no mistake, this is a letter of encouragement to an elder in his church that is struggling with fear and timidity. And we don't necessarily know or understand why they're so fearful. But the truth of the matter is, is that they are. And I think Kim eloquently said it uh, in that, especially when we consider all of our identities and all the challenges and all the uh, hopes and expectations. Nobody wants to let anybody down, but unfortunately we do. And that's the reality of being a sinner in a broken world. So, verse 1. Especially dealing with meaning and purpose, God gives his children both of those meaning, and purpose. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Let's just start right there. There's a lot of confusion around apostles, a lot of confusion around church politics, if you will, about the hierarchy and about the structure, if you will. They call it even a governmental structure in some forms. An apostle, and its rooted definition in the Bible, means one who is sent. One who is sent. And you kind of have to go back to the Hebrew in order to really understand this. And I might be spending too much time on an apostle today, but I think it's really important because we have a tendency to look at status rather than function, status rather than function. And you see that in the world today with a lot of people holding a title of status, but they can't seem to do the functions that are associated with that status, or they don't wanna do it well. All that they ultimately wanted was the status, the symbol of I am this. And in fact, you'll see In the world today, there are still some people who call themselves apostles. They don't exist anymore. And here's part of the reason why. Think about Jesus and his ministry, his gospel. He reached out and he called 12 of them. Does the number 12 ring a bell to any of you? Hopefully it does because there were 12 tribes Of Israel, very representative of Jesus's mission and his ministry to reconcile those 12 tribes back into one nation. But Jesus and his ministry didn't stop there with the 12 tribes to bring back to one nation. We find Paul who describes himself as one untimely born because he came afterwards. And who was Paul made an apostle to? Yes, he's from the tribe of Benjamin, which is, of course, one of the 12 tribes, but he was the apostle to the Gentiles, which is everyone else aside from the 12 tribes. So Paul is to reach all those outliers, all those other people. And as one who is sent, all of those 12 maintained a particularly close relationship with Jesus. They received private instruction from Jesus. They received and witnessed the miracles of Jesus. They were there for all the controversy with the Jewish leadership of the time and the authorities. Jesus even sends out these men to preach the message of repentance, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, and ultimately to minister in ways that were characteristic of Christ himself. This same relationship is expressed in the saying, he who hears you, hears me. And he who rejects you, rejects me, And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So I would hope that it is clear that the 12 were not simply to pass on Jesus' teaching, but to represent his very person to the masses and to the multitude with the abilities that Jesus himself had in and of itself. And like I said, the number of Jesus' apostles relate to the number of the tribes of Israel. The hope of Israel included the reunification of the 12 tribes in a new world. So, the term apostle is not one of vocation or office. Rather, it describes the relationship that exists between two parties. And it's within this relationship that it has to do with function, not status. Much of the Old Testament, these apostles that went out, it was because Jesus sent them out. An apostle is one who is sent. And it had to be from Jesus at the time. Especially if they had the same powers of Jesus and were to mimic the goodness and loving kindness and mercy that he bestowed on all people that he met. The reason why I tell you all of this is not to give you a history lesson, but it's to show you that an apostle of Christ Jesus gave Paul meaning and purpose in his life. It gave him a new calling, a new identity. And now you're like, well, that's great, Eric, but you just said no one can be an apostle. So none of us are apostles. What do we do? Perception is reality, and we're not necessarily thinking about perceptions. Yeah, none of us are going to be an apostle. Well, what if... I start with myself here in this. What if I say an elder? Does an elder give meaning and purpose? Absolutely. It's to help and to protect, to feed, to love, to serve. A whole slew of opportunities to share the love of Christ with other people. What about deacons? Same concept in a sense. Gives people the opportunity But let's bring it down to brass tacks of what we all are. Are you not all adopted sons and daughters of the Lord Most High? Do you carry that with you? Or is it like, nah, that's not my favorite one. Well, what about just very simply being a Christian? Would you carry that with you? A disciple and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? How about just very simply Disciple. Would you carry that identity with you, that you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? How about church? A lot of people use church as, I'm going to, or it's this building is the church. But from a biblical definition, the church is the body of believers. That's you and me. We're the church. We don't get to just go to it once a week. We are it seven days a week. And that's the difference between culture and the Bible again, too. We say these things and continually mislead people because we've changed the definitions of the words from what they were really meant to be. And so identity and purpose. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. How about we say, Eric, an elder of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. How about Renee, a church member of Christ Jesus' church, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. How about Sean, a Christian, a disciple and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Chris, a member of Christ Jesus' church, according to the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. And I can change it and continue to change it with all of your names for all the different different things. Make no mistake, we're adopted sons and daughters. Maybe for fun, I'll go, Trevor, an adopted son and daughter, or son of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the will of God and according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Are you all getting encouraged? Do you see this? The will of God solidifies this. The will of God makes this where you can stand and no one can take it away. The will of God as God who is Creator, who is Lord, who is Savior, has ordained this to be. Embrace it and walk confidently in this. For this is your calling. None of us are going to be apostles. Very few of us are going to be elders. Maybe some of you are going to be deacons, but you're all members of God's family. And don't forget it. And carry that with you. And you cannot lose it. Can't lose it. You can lose sight of it. Especially as we talk about fear and all the different identities that we may or may not have in life. You might lose sight of this. But you are a member of God's family. And nothing is going to change that. The sheep hear my voice and know my name. No one will snatch them out of my hands. Biblical truth for you. Also, in this, think about this. It's probably one of my favorite passages. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 21. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world back to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Amen. You're all ambassadors. There's a lot of people who wear the Christian label that aren't really Christians that are giving Jesus a bad name. Us who know Christ and are part of Christ, may you stand confidently to know that you're an ambassador for Christ. God's going to hopefully use you to reach other people for his glory, their good, and your good as well. Praise the Lord for that. And in verse two of this, you can see even more meaning and purpose. You see beloved child. You see God the Father. You see Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ means anointed one. It's the same as Messiah in the Old Testament. A lot of people look at this as a title too, but it's much more, again, a meaning and a purpose. If you are the Christ, that means you are God's anointed one. There is but one. He goes by the name of Jesus. And Paul calls him Christ Jesus, or sometimes we go Jesus Christ. And then Lord. So you've got beloved child, father, Lord. I mean, beloved child, let's be real. That's to show the symbolism of perhaps a mentorship type of relationship that Paul and Timothy have. Or, you know, um, a discipleship type of relationship, ultimately in what they have. But brothers and sisters, don't lose sight of this either, that it is a gift of grace to know God as Father. It is a gift of grace to know Jesus as the Christ. It is a gift of grace to know Jesus as Lord. And above all that, it is a gift of grace to know Jesus as our Savior. And so it is a gift of grace to know God in these ways and to be able to call on him in such a way since God's purpose and meaning are known through his Son and are discovered through his Son. God gives his children the gift of being their father. God gives his children the gift of being their Lord. And God gives his children the gift of being their Savior. And these are but a few of God's gifts of grace according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. And moving on in the next verses, you see a little more of the heart of Paul for Timothy in the second point. As he says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. I told you Paul's in jail. And so sitting chained in a Roman prison, there was probably little else that Paul would do other than to pray and to consider other people and to lift them up to the Lord at all times. So Timothy, being perhaps Paul's closest companion, as they did go on Paul's secondary missionary journey together. And this was roughly 47, 48 AD to 51. So let's, you know, be conservative. They spent three years of their lives on ministry together. You can easily develop a pretty strong relationship after three years of going on ministry together with all the wonkiness that ministry brings and all the wonkiness that human beings bring in all of this. And so being Paul's closest companion, perhaps, and ministering to the church in Ephesus that Paul probably knew the best because they were there for quite a period of time. It was no doubt, or maybe not no doubt, but it was probably assuredly that Paul, this is the reason why Paul was praying for them, and most commonly the object of his petitions and his prayers. And it says, as I remember your tears. So Timothy clearly was crying. And while we don't know for sure what this was about, there's a lot of speculation that once they separated, once Paul left Timothy in Ephesus to uh, you know, be a leader over the church and continue to bring it up, that there was a great sadness. There's always a measure of uncertainty. I don't doubt that at all. And, as we've discussed before, the whole imposter syndrome theory. The fact that uh, I really don't belong here. I really don't, uh, I'm not qualified. This is, I'm a fraud kind of mentality. Because, let's be real, no man is prepared for these types of callings. I've seen it in many of my brothers and sisters as, as elders and those that are called to the ministry. And I'll tell you what, I appreciate seeing that within them. And you're like, how can you appreciate seeing that within them? Well, because the alternative is an overbearing, arrogant guy that is doing this ultimately for the wrong reasons. The I'm not worthy mentality, it's more with me than the I'm prepared and ready to go, let's do this mentality. Because the reality is is that no one's prepared for no one's really qualified for this. You can go to school till you're blue in the face. There's no shortage of seminaries and doctorate types of programs. And you can be really, 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 really book smart. But if you can't like have the street smarts to apply the book smarts, you're just as useless. So God really has to bring the person together in this. Nobody's ultimately qualified. So there's a good reason to be Fearful and we certainly don't want to disappoint. We certainly don't want to make fools of ourselves. We certainly don't want to have a list of things that we don't want to have happen. Whatever strikes us, seeing as how we're sheep that are led astray, each to our own way. So Paul longed for Timothy's companionship as he remembered his tears, and he remembered the joy that they brought together. But here's the thing, too. Even the great Apostle Paul at times became lonely, discouraged, and in need of support from fellow Christians. Even the great Apostle Paul. Hard to believe, right? No, it's not hard to believe. But the problem is people put people on a pedestal that's unrealistic. Oh, Paul was the greatest missionary. Well, maybe, but he's still human. He's still in need of a Savior. He's still counting on the gifts of God's grace, just like all the rest of us, and so he's not that different. His blessings, as he acknowledged in 1 Corinthians 15, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I resonate with that wholeheartedly. By the grace of God, I am what I am. The gift, the ability, the power to be able to stand up here to speak confidently and clearly for Christ It's a God thing. It's not an Eric thing. Eric doesn't want to do this. I think Eric's told you he wrote speeches about milk and M&Ms and procrastination and all kinds of dumb things. But now, charged to rightly handle the word of truth in front of people as well as an online community, where this can make a difference and this could have an impact, as God, the will of God has commanded it according to the promise of life that's in Christ Jesus. It's part of my salvation package, if you will. And I was like, well, are you sure you don't want to keep that part of the salvation package, Lord? I'm really happy being saved, but you want me to do things for you? Are you sure? Yeah, he's sure. He wants all of you to do things. But the problem is, is we don't. The problem is we run away from these identities and callings because we're more concerned about what other people think about us than what our Lord thinks about us. And even though that may hit hard, (coughs) please understand that that's the reality of the truth. And if you really think about it, you do. The reason you don't talk about Jesus is, well, I don't want these people to think I'm one of those Jesus people. Are you one of those Jesus people or are you not one of those Jesus people? Are you in Christ or are you not in Christ? You have to answer that for yourself. I can answer it for you, but it's not going to make you do it. And again, much like I talked about the quorum Deo in the last time and living in the presence of God, and you either are religious all the time or you are not religious all the time. You cannot just come here on Sundays and say you're a Christian And then go and bash people and everyone else for the rest of the week. Because you're not religious. You're unreligious. Right? So trade-offs. you got to realize who we are, what we've been called to. And so we all need each other. Right? As we see from verse 4, remember your tears I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. A lot of you bring me joy. And I've also cried with a lot of you, too, for various reasons. A lot of times it was during loss. A lot of times it was hearing your testimonies. A lot of times it was hearing how other people treated you. A lot of times, it's just a lot of times. (laughs) But I have to tell you, too, that crying with you as well as celebrating with you it's, it's biblical. It's part of being in the church. As Romans 12 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. But it's the relationship that we have. And it's the relationship that's under the lordship of Jesus. That's not because of something flimsy, some type of club or something we're interested in. This isn't knitting club. Right, Where, all right, I'm knitting. I'm really enjoying knitting. I kind of enjoy you while I'm knitting. All right, I'm really bored with knitting. I'm out. There is no out in this. You are the church. You are a member of Christ's family. You're an adopted son and daughter of the Lord Most High. If you want, I can start calling you prince and princesses. Because that's, all right, Chris wants that princess. But uh, anyway... This is who we are, according to the will of God and according to the promise of life that's in Christ Jesus. And so we see this last verse, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. I think Paul writes this because Timothy is an encouragement Why? Because he's sincere. If we read the rest of this book, and and I started with 2 Timothy, which probably would have been easier if we did 1 Timothy first, just for some gaps to fill, but at the same time, 1 Timothy deals a lot with false teachers. A lot with false teachers. And in doing so, dealing with false teachers, it seems that Paul, in this, has had so many people oppose or desert him that Timothy's sincere faith stood out in bold relief. When you've had enough people stab you in the back and turn on you, you want someone real and you want someone authentic to stand by you. And I think that is the reality of ministry as well as the reality of life. You go to work and you've got a whole bunch of people fighting for a whole bunch of nothing. You have these opportunities in school, too, where people are clawing and climbing at each other in order to get the best grades, to be the teacher's pet, to have these opportunities. But most people aren't sincere. There's a lot of lip service. Empty words and empty promises continue to fill the airwaves all around And do we really want empty words and empty promises? Do you need people to blow smoke and use mirrors to fool you? I don't think you really want that. I don't think any of us really want that. I think we want authenticity. I think we want people to be real. People to stop pretending that they're shiny and perfect and are just humble and honest. Because people have great blessings, as well as people have great curses that rest within them. And so, faith in and of itself is a gift of grace according to the promise of life that's in Christ. And family and friends are very simply a gift of grace as well. The children that we have, they are a gift of grace. But hold on. This is where it really matters. The church, God's family, God's body of believers is a gift of grace according to the promise of life that is in Christ by the will of God. Your family, your children are gifts of grace, but the church, according to the will of God, according to the promise of life that's in Christ. It's a beautiful thing. And so I know many people that have moved away. And I'm very sad by these people moving away because they were good influences in my life. They were nice people to have around at all times. They were authentic. They were sincere. They wouldn't sugarcoat things to me. They'd tell me if I was wrong. They wouldn't just be yes-men. Oh, yeah, no, you're doing great. This is great. That's great. Everything's great. I don't know how you could look at anything as not great. But I'd much, again, rather have the authenticity and the humility associated with people than the fake shininess the world continues to promote within all of us. And so perhaps the most important part, point three, the Holy Spirit for this reason which is the fact of Timothy's sincere faith and a faith that has gone and transcended family for that reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands that is a loaded statement (laughs) brothers and sisters so he urged the young minister to fan into flame or perhaps, as it's written, keep at full flame his God-given abilities for ministry. Now, you're going to hate me for saying this, but I do believe it to be true. We talk about maturity and we talk about immaturity. And so, in this... God's gifts must be used if they are to reach and maintain their full potential, to fan into flame. Can I ask you all something? How's your prayer life? How you doing on prayer? How's your Bible reading? How's your meditation? You all are looking at the floor. Or looking behind me, I can tell. <laughs> Nobody really wants to look at me. I'm guessing you all feel a little condemned. There might be a little guilt. Might be a little shame in there. I remind you that sin is indeed guilt and shame. What are the two great commandments? First one's to love God. Second one's to love people. How, how, how are you doing in your relationships? How are you doing in that prayer life relationship? You know that the command is to pray without ceasing, right? How are you doing with that? Pretty terrible, I bet. I know from experience. (laughs) But here we are. And I want you to think about it this way. And I've used this example before, and I probably will continue to use this example until a better example comes along. So here's your opportunity to give me a better example. But I also want us to know that we need to grow, right? And we need to grow in love. And we need to grow by grace, which is unmerited favor. And so let's be very worldly for a minute, if you will. I want you to, actually, I'm just going to pick it. I'm going to pick it as I've done it before. I want to grow in a love of music. How do you propose I grow in a love of music? First, I should probably put myself around people that love music. That would kinda make sense, right? Should spend some time with people who love music. They can't get enough of music, they know it, and they know it well. They can actually even read the music on a sheet of paper. They can look at the little quarter notes, half notes, whole notes, and be like, well, this makes sense. I don't know how to read music. If I want to know how to read music, maybe I should be around people that need to know how to read music, or that know how to read music. But why stop just there? Maybe, I should actually listen to music. What? If I want to grow in love for music, I should listen to it? That's insane. Why should I listen to music if I want to grow in love with it? Let's be real. That's obvious. Right? If I want to grow in love for music, I should listen to music. I should surround myself with people who know how to read music. Maybe Maybe I should even hang out with musicians. Musicians themselves, the ones who play the music and read the music. Not just the people who love the music, but the one who knows how to play and write music. Now, let me flip the script on you entirely. I want to grow in my relationship and love for God. What should I do? Oh, well, maybe I should surround myself with people who love God. That seems logical to me. Maybe in an effort to be able to read Scripture, I should surround myself or seek out those who know how to interpret the Scriptures. Maybe I should listen to sermons. This is insane. This is insane talk, Eric. No, this is reality talk. I don't understand this. I really don't understand the concept of, yes, I've got my get-out-of-jail-free card. No, it doesn't do anything else for my life. No, I don't want to follow God. No. Oh, yes, I love God. Well, how do you spend time with God? Well, I don't spend time with God. Do you really love God if you don't spend time with him? All of us have gifts. All of us have spiritual gifts. You know what the thing about spiritual gifts are? They're not for you. They're for other people. This spiritual gift I'm highlighting for you right now, can you imagine if I used this and kept this all to myself? Do you think I would? What would I do? I'd talk to a mirror? Well, Eric, you're going to have to preach to yourself today. Have at it, buddy okay, Eric. let's do this, and I'll just talk to a mirror. The blessing isn't for me. The blessing is for all of us as Christ uses us to reach other people, and as the blessings go. So, fan into flame whatever God has given you. Keep using it. Stay with it. This is your life. This is how sanctification happens. If I've I don't preach legalism, and I don't preach lawlessness. The truth lies in the middle. There is a right order and a right design, which is why the law exists. The problem with the law is we stink at keeping it, and we can't keep it. God is holy and righteous and good, and according to the law that I can't keep, I'm not. So legalism isn't the answer, because it's crushing and it's defeating. Now, lawlessness isn't the answer either. Well, Jesus paid it all. Yes, he sure did. He called me to a new calling. He sure did call you to a new calling. So now I should do nothing. That's not the answer either, is it? Hopefully, again, you continue to see how good the Lord is in your life and you desire to be used and to be a part of his kingdom. And to enjoy it and to embrace it. And maybe we can have these moments as I know I already have and I'm confident. All of you have had in part as well is that complete my joy by being of the same mind and body of Christ. And as Paul and Timothy rejoice and as Paul longs to see Timothy that his joy May be complete, and that he may have joy again while he's in jail. Then so be it. We are here together to build one another up in the unity, of the faith that is Christ. God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers for the building up of the saints, for the work of ministry. All of you are in ministry. All of you are Christ. All of you are ambassadors. All of you are His church. All of you are His adopted sons and daughters. And you know the family structure. If you're the son and daughter of the Lord Most High, do you run away? Or do you embrace it? And these are gifts of God's grace within our lives. And so, want to continue going on, but think about growing in love and Consider fanning into flame those gifts that God's given you. They're not to be put to the side. There are blessings for other people. And as we just say, may it be for God's glory and our good. And as the Great Commission says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He is with us always to the end of the age. That has a lot to do with the very next thing, which is God gave you not a spirit of fear. Did he leave you? Did he abandon you? Did he say, hey, just so you know, there's the fire. I'm going to throw you into it. I'll see you later. No, not at all. I love that song, how firm a foundation. You know, especially as it says, you know, the the challenges you face, the dross to consume, to refine you like gold. And that's what continues to happen. You keep being changed. You keep being refined. You keep being made holy into Christ's likeness, which is kind of that theory of apostle that you're a representative of Christ. Like, no, you're not going around healing all the people. And believe me, if people had that power Why would you not do that all day long, every day, everywhere you could possibly go, and literally run up and down the streets just touching as many people as you could? If I had that power, I would. But apparently, if you're Benny Hinn and you have that power, you can only do it on stage, and you can only smack people on their forehead to knock them on the ground, and then they're healed. If you don't know who Benny Hinn is, is, I apologize. It looks pretty stern over there. Like, why are you bringing up Benny Hinn? <laughs> no. So don't miss it. I also don't want to miss this part, his God-given ability for ministry, but Paul talks about the laying on of hands. It's a reminder for Timothy that he was ordained, that he was called to be an elder within a church. And as much as Timothy might be fearful in this Paul is reaffirming him. Hey, remember, we were all there. We all laid our hands on you. We're all able to see the gift of God within you. And we all acknowledge that gift of God in you. So, hey, use that gift of God that's in you and fan it into flames so that it may be a blessing for others. Continue to do that. Continue to do so. And as they've done it, then you get to verse 7 the uh, quintessential memorization verse of today. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Why Timothy needed this reminder of his ordination and the confidence in his own gifts he developed as a result of it, it's not entirely clear. We don't know all the details of someone's life. I actually think that's great because much like what, what Kim said too, We all have fear. We all deal with it. I don't need to know Timothy's exact reason for fear. I know my reasons for fear. I kind of understand some of your reasons for fear. But at the end of the day, I really don't have a reason to fear when I remember the promises of God. And then I remember the will of God calling me to this purpose and calling me to this new life as his church. It would have been okay staying there, but then he had other purposes. Great. Awesome. Let's do it. Let's continue to go forward in this. But maybe, for Timothy's sake, maybe hearing Paul, that he's in jail, he's like, well, I don't really want to get in jail myself. Or maybe, based on what we do know that happens in 1 Timothy, they were looking at Timothy's youth and they weren't respecting him. They are like, oh, what could this young kid know about Jesus and this gospel, you know? I tried to sell life and health insurance as a 22-year-old to 24-years-old. I want you to know I failed. People, and it's because of my youth, a 22 to 24-year-old should not be selling life insurance. They haven't even lived life. I don't even know if they have hairs on their chest yet. I did at that time, but I don't know if other 22 to 24-year-olds have hair on their chest yet. But all in all, nobody took me seriously because I was 22 to 24 years old with a two-year-old child and being like, well, if you die, you should probably have some type of protection. Let me show you what we have. And, right? I'm with the baby. I'm with the baby. It was funny. It, it was funny. People laughed at me just like that, too. Just like babies laugh because who could take someone seriously? Regardless, no... The, it's the, the fears that we have a lot of times are irrational, okay? And maybe they didn't take Timothy seriously. Maybe he was worried about Paul being in jail. Who knows? Regardless of what the fear may be, God gives his children the Holy Spirit as a gift of grace, according to the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. It is God's power dwelling within us. It's what gives me the confidence and the courage to stand up here every week and do this, regardless of, I have no idea, come Sunday afternoons or Mondays, like, how how is this going to work out? Esther stretched me and pulled me in a lot of different directions because it's not like, oh, I can just pick on God's, you know, this attribute of him and that attribute of him. It's kind of like, okay, what am I looking for here? How is this profitable? How is this meaningful? How is this, oh, just stretched and stretched and stretched. This feels really easy coming back to this now because I'm like, well, we'll just talk about God's this and we'll talk about God's that and God's so-and-so and such and such. But, God's power dwelling inside us. It ought to give you confidence, which is why it's directly in correlation to God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power. And I remind you, if God is for you, who can stand ultimately against you if God is for you? People will try, but vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. And has he not promised to save us? Has he not given us the Holy Spirit dwelling within us to give us, again, that promise and seal of guarantee, the reason that we can know that Jesus is indeed, in fact, the way, the truth, and the life, the Holy Spirit that allows us to choose righteousness in the first place rather than selfish sin, which is our normal, inherent nature. It's all power. It's all power. God creates something out of nothing. He has created the world, He has created life, and He's created everything that's in it. That's power. And the Holy Spirit is that piece of God and His power that dwells within you 24 7. Are you His church? Are you His adopted son and daughter? Congratulations. It's in you 24, 7, 365, and however many years it is until you're finally home with Jesus. And that's when God takes his spirit back because then you're made full and holy in his presence. Amen. It also creates the fruits of love and self-control. Which, coincidentally, are the two probably most important aspects of the fruits of the Spirit. Because we've got love, we've got joy, we've got peace, we've got patience, we've got kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We have all of those. But love is what's listed first, and self-control is what's listed last on that list. Which, again, is all-encompassing of everything else that's in there. Love, God is love. Love is the two great commandments, to love God and to love people. Love is the reason the world exists. From my perspective, knowing what I know of God and knowing that he has to put up with sinners and all of our junk all the time, love is the reason we're here. Because God didn't need us. God didn't have to create us. God didn't have to save us. We could all live in our ignorant bliss and just live however many years, die, be done. But it's that love that continues to work within this broken world, that continues to seek and search out those who are lost, which was all of us, love is important. And then self-control, I find that fascinating in this as well. Because self-control is so what everybody needs when it comes to sin. Your sin causes you to lose self-control. Self-control is what allows us to not fly off the handle. Self-control is what we lose when we're inebriated and we've had too much to drink. It's when you say dumb things. It's when you do dumb things. It's When you just even think dumb things. You might not even act on them, but nine times out of ten, you'll probably act on them because you're like, that's a great idea. I should totally do this right now. Well, that train's not going that fast. I should totally jump on and jump off while I'm inebriated. They're so... Much to say about self-control, and a lot of people that don't have any, and a lot of people who, because of fear, lose self-control, and begin to do things that they're not proud of, and begin to do things that aren't healthy or good for them. We have no need to fear. If our Father is for us, who can be against us, and it's a gift of grace by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, that we can even call him Father, that we can call him Lord, that we can call him Savior, that we can have meaning and purpose in our life that is not fleeting and does not change. Everything else you do, and especially what Kim listed with family, friends, work, everything like that, Those are all fleeting and can change in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. I went to work on a Friday morning. I did my job. I did all my paperwork. I was laid off that afternoon. I didn't get any choice. I didn't get any say-so. People have gone to work, driving to work. It's a beautiful, bright, sunny day. Oh, there's a big semi coming at me. Now they're not here anymore. I've known family and friends and couples very similarly. Had a wonderful evening together. Went out, had dinner, went dancing, everything else. The gentleman dies from a heart attack in the middle of the night. Their love song's over. Everything's fleeting in this world. Apart from the eternal Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And God gives his children all of these gifts of grace that I've mentioned just today, according to His will, which is His desire, His command, His purpose for us, and it's according to the promise of eternal life that's within Christ Jesus in all of this. And that's the first and most important thing. It's all salvation, but there's so much more <laughs> on top of that. So, praise the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, certainly I thank you for your words and your blessings. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for the newness of life. I thank you for calling us to be your people, certainly to call us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Lord Jesus, the biggest thing here today is may we continue to grow in love for you and love for your church and his people. Lord Jesus, we want to reach others, not because we have to, but because we want to. And it is within all of this that we can confidently say we love you. May you use us well. May you continue to help us to fan into flame all the blessings of the spiritual gifts that you've given us. And may we see all these blessings, the Holy Spirit, faith, family, meaning, purpose, and really life. May we continue to see all these blessings and many more as this week continues on. It's in your name we pray, amen.